0: I want to welcome all my longtime listeners and any new listeners to the April podcast of Red State Blue Mom. A new month is here, and yet the world and most Americans are still talking about the same things we were talking about in March. But for now, I want to address a few comments I've received from some of my listeners and fans. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to let me know something I said has bothered or upset you, or that there is something you've really enjoyed about a podcast. Thank you for sending a podcast topic suggestion my way, or letting me know a more effective way of getting a point or story across. I'd like to address these comments up front at the beginning of this podcast, instead of waiting until the end mainly because at the end of most of my podcasts, while very nice banjo music is playing, I tell my listeners to show good intent, kindness, and grace to others, because you do not know what battles they are fighting on any given day. Unfortunately, in last month's podcast, I showed none of the aforementioned attributes in my rant on Vladimir Putin and those who speak positively about him, especially those in our own country. A listener took umbrage with my rant. All I'm going to say to this listener, while trying to muster a measure of grace, even the devil has a good quality. He's a very hard worker. Another listener let me know that Putin is not a godless communist because he considers himself a member of the Russian Orthodox Church. Thank you for letting me know this, and I stand corrected. I did some research on Putin's faith and learned some things. The first week of April, Patriarch Kirill, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, said his, quote, "...church and its faithful were holding back the Antichrist." End quote. This was at the six week mark of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, after the war had forced well over 4 million people to become refugees in other countries, and all kinds of atrocities had been committed by Russian soldiers. The Patriarch is an ally of Putin and the Kremlin and defends Russia's actions against Ukraine because he, as the head of the church, feels this is a war between decadent Western liberal homosexuality-loving cultures he calls the Antichrist and the godly goodness of Christian Russia represented by the Orthodox faith living and acting within the Orthodox Church and its members, one of which is Vladimir Putin. Another listener told me, quote, There are neo-Nazis in Ukraine, and they are fighting the Russians too. They are more than 10,000 strong and are called the Azov Battalion. They started fighting the Russians when the Russians invaded Crimea in 2014. Now they fight the Russians alongside anyone who will work together with them to drive the Russians out of Ukraine. And that means leftist liberals and socialists too. They are united with other groups in the one goal of getting their country back and kicking Russian buttsky. end quote. Other listeners have suggested my podcast would be more fun and interesting to listen to if I added humor to the historical parts and I told more humorous stories. I will apologize up front to these listeners and anyone who may agree with them. Here's a personal anecdote. I am a long-time Vanity Fair magazine subscriber. When I receive my monthly copy in the mail, one of the first pages I turn to is the last page next to the inside back cover. It is the Proust questionnaire, asking the rich, famous, and talented questionnaire participant a variety of short questions with short answers expected. There's even a caricature of the person who is answering the questions, so that there's no mistaking who is participating. In this month's issue, it is Isaac Mizrahi, the fashion designer and author, who is answering the Proust questionnaire. Often two of the questions asked to the rich, famous, and talented are, If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? And Which talent would you most like to have? I always dream of how I'll answer these questions when I become rich and famous. Because of this podcast, I'm hoping, and I'm asked by Vanity Fair to fill out the Proust questionnaire. I'm going to combine my answers to both questions. So I know I would definitely say I'd like to have a great sense of humor and the ability to make people laugh. and. I'd like to be able to sing like a Grammy Award-winning artist. So there. I thought you might get a kick out of Isaac Mizrahi's answer to the question, if you could change one thing about your family, what would it be? His answer, quote, I would make them all Democrats, end quote. During the holiday season, I had a fan send me a note to tell me that I'm her hero. Wow. Thank you so very much, and that's quite an honor. I have a few listeners who have told me they like the way I weave different subject matters together within a podcast, and by the end, get it all to come together to make sense. One fan recently sent me a lovely and touching note on social media, and all it said was the word, beautiful in a cursive rainbow-colored script. Thank you for touching my heart and making me smile. I want to give a shout-out to two of my longtime fans. They've been with me since the beginning of this podcast, Anna and Jonathan. Besides my immediate family, thank you for being loyal listeners, and thank you, too, for your positivity and encouragement. Keep saying... Karma bites whenever it's needed and appropriate to do so. For those of you who are curious about what I just said, my February 2021 podcast talks about karma and how it was biting at that particular point in time. But frankly, karma really has no time boundaries. So listen to that podcast if you haven't already done so. And then watch out for how karma bites As time continues to move on. I want you listeners to know I'm very appreciative of anything good or bad you say relative to this podcast and my podcasting talents, so please keep the comments coming. What would a Red State Blue Mom podcast be without addressing current events or at least some but not all newsworthy items that have happened since last month's podcast dropped. I'm asking all you turtles who have pulled your heads inside your shells to maybe stick your neck out a little bit to see, or in this case, listen to Mama Bee do her monthly thing. Oop, I'm sorry, that didn't come out sounding quite right, but I think you know what I mean. This April is a busy month for many faiths on this planet. Hindu New Year celebrations and Muslim Ramadan started on April 2nd. Jewish people celebrate Passover the week of April 15th to April 23rd. Christians' Easter celebrations start with Maundy Thursday on April 14th and culminate on Easter Sunday the 17th. Let's not forget the Orthodox Church will celebrate Easter on April 24th. I guess we know where Russian Orthodox adherent Vladimir Putin will be on that Sunday morning. I know there are probably other religious celebrations in April I'm missing. April is the month when Americans have to send their tax returns into Uncle Sam and maybe pay some additional taxes. If you're lucky enough to live in a state with no state income tax, like Tennessee, You will only be sending in your federal tax return. You may not be aware of this, but the first federal income tax was enacted under Republican President Abraham Lincoln to pay off the Civil War debts incurred by the federal government. After those debts were paid off, there was no federal income tax until ratification of the 16th Amendment in 1913 when Democrat Woodrow Wilson was president. Though the beginnings of this amendment started during the time of Republican President William Howard Taft. He is the only person in our nation's history to have been both president and chief justice of the Supreme Court. Speaking of the Supreme Court, let's clap our hands together and make a lot of joyful noise and celebration of the first African American woman to become a Supreme Court justice. Let's give Katanji Brown Jackson, who some people are now calling KBJ, snaps for handling her confirmation hearings with such grace and dignity. I did not watch all her confirmation hearings, but the little I did see was vitriolic, graceless, and disrespectful. And from a number of comments made by the Republicans on the committee, it was payback to the Democrats for what happened during Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings. I'm going to remind listeners here that Judge Jackson, in bipartisan voting, had already been confirmed to lower court judgeships by the Senate three times before her Supreme Court hearings. I watched Lindsey Graham's questioning of Judge Jackson, and it took my breath away. When he asked her what faith she is, And on a scale of 1 to 10, what is her level of faith? Lindsey Graham has a law degree and knows that these questions are illegal to ask any job applicant on an interview, which is what a confirmation hearing is for a prospective Supreme Court justice. How about Senator Tom Cotton's speech during a Senate Judiciary Committee business meeting where he suggested Judge Jackson may have defended the Nazis in court had she been living immediately after World War II. He said, quote, You know, the last Judge Jackson left the Supreme Court to go to Nuremberg and prosecute the Nazis. This Judge Jackson may have gone there to defend them. End quote. Then there was Tennessee's very own Senator Marsha Blackburn she kept pushing her own personal beliefs and agenda and did quite a bit of political pandering to the Republican base. Maybe her girdle was just a bit uncomfortable that day. She asked Judge Jackson to define, quote, what is a woman, end quote. Technically, for those who claim to be constitutional originalists, like the greater percentage of Republicans, The original U.S. Constitution makes no explicit mention of women anywhere, even after the 14th and 15th Amendments gave all men who weren't Native Americans the right to vote. It wasn't until the 20th century, with the 19th Amendment, that even the word gender was used, but no explicit word like woman is mentioned in the Constitution. Nineteenth Amendment Pros and Cons says, quote, Nowhere in the Constitution does it state that women are citizens. Women have never been legally declared persons in this country, not by the Founding Fathers, not by the Constitution, not by the Supreme Court, end quote. In the near future, when Kentonji Brown Jackson is seated on the Supreme Court, there will be a number of cases before the court dealing with gender issues and the definition of a woman. So it was prudent of Judge Jackson not to answer Senator Blackburn's question. Senator Blackburn didn't stop there though. She gave a misrepresentation of what's being taught in America's and Tennessee's public schools. And let me tell you, it's not critical race theory or the 1619 Project. I have spoken with a number of Tennessee public school educators at all grade levels, and each of them have told me that until this year, they had never even heard of critical race theory, let alone taught it in their classes. Tennessee has a K-12 state curriculum in place, and all teachers at those grade levels are required to teach with that curriculum and not stray from it. Do you get a sense of my frustration here? Like Senators Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, Tom Cotton, and Josh Hawley from Missouri, the same GOP senator in a now infamous January 6th photo, taken while heading into the Capitol, fist pump signaling his peeps who were looking to overturn the election. Senator Blackburn piled onto the crazy train of senators accusing Judge Jackson of being soft on crime and especially crimes involving children, better known as pedophilia, even though Judge Jackson followed sentencing guidelines set by Congress and common judicial sentencing practices for these kind of cases. After Judge Jackson's Supreme Court confirmation hearing, we now know that the raving, mad conspiracy theories of QAnon are no longer on the fringes of the Republican Party, but right in the dead center. The Republican ruse that Judge Jackson indulges and protects child molesters is tantamount to a secret handshake, a secret sign, a secret code, letting fellow believers in the ruse Know you are one of them without saying the words out loud. These Republican senators on the Judiciary Committee know that the QAnon world is selectively obsessed with child sexual abuse, putting Democrats at the center of this conspiratorial worldview. QAnon and the religious cult in Dallas, waiting for JFK or his son to rise from the dead and present themselves and the Trump base who think the election was stolen, have all merged together within the GOP. All Republican senators, but especially these Republican senators, Blackburn, Cotton, Cruz, Graham, and Hawley, know it. And they gave all those groups the signals they were waiting for and looking for. The equivalency of a secret handshake, a secret sign, a secret code that says, I am one of you. The wackadoodles are loose in Congress, and the more extreme examples, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, have been tweeting that those senators who voted to confirm Judge Jackson, Republican Senators Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney, along with all the Democrats in the Senate, are, quote, pro-pedophile. What in the world is wrong with you? What planet are you from? Have you listeners ever heard the saying, turtles all the way down? The Urban Dictionary defines the saying in this way, quote, When you are having an argument and you see your logic begin to fail, you can use this phrase to automatically win. This, of course, only works if the reference is understood by who you are speaking with. The phrase originates from a conversation that occurred directly after a scientific speech, which described how the earth revolves around the sun. At the end of the speech, an elderly lady stood and said, What you have told us is rubbish. The world is really a flat plate supported on the back of a giant tortoise. The scientist then smugly asked her, What is the tortoise standing on? You're very clever, young man, very clever, said the old lady. But it's turtles, all the way down. Google this saying and you'll see that some have traced its history to Hindu mythology. The world, our planet, being held up on the back of a turtle. This is what I want to say about what's going on in the GOP's QAnon cult and stolen election cult. You are turtles all the way down. Your logic is failing, top to bottom and to infinity. What happened to the grand old party of my youth? Where are you sensible moderate Republicans? Where is the proof and logic in your QAnon and stolen election beliefs? Show us the receipts and that these beliefs are grounded in reality. Stop pulling your heads into your shells and snap out of this crazy thinking. And through it all, Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson went into the confirmation girded and maybe wearing a girdle known by us ladies in this day and age as Spanx, Armed with the highest rating there is by the American Bar Association, a grand work ethic, a top-notch education, years of solid and varied legal experience, a supportive family and group of friends, and a respectful and gracious demeanor. She reaffirmed that her job is to follow the laws of our great country, a country she loves. Little did she know that the one word a stranger said to her as they passed each other in the Harvard yard when she was an undergrad, PERSEVERE, would reverberate through her life and still apply as she faced the Republicans in the Senate Judiciary Committee on her way to making history. Not too long ago, I got into a disagreement with my kids about a prominent Republican, now on the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack. I mentioned I admired Liz Cheney and wanted to give her snaps for being a profile in Courage, for taking a stand for democracy and constitutional principles when she voted to impeach Trump after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, and also for accepting a position on the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack when the supermajority of her party have condoned and poo-pooed this attack on our democracy, even as they saw poop-smeared walls inside the Capitol building after the riot. Liz Cheney has gone from being a high-level leader in the Republican Party to a pariah, which says a lot about the current GOP. My kids told me Liz Cheney voted with Trump 93% of the time And look at her father and what he did to lead the country into the war in Iraq. Number one, anyone who is an adult in their own right cannot be blamed for the behavior and decisions of another adult, whether a parent, spouse, or a grown child. Number two, in this day and age, an act of courage in politics needs to be acknowledged, especially when lawmakers and their families in both parties receive daily threats of being killed, hurt, and are often harassed wherever they go, even in their own neighborhoods. I told my kids I know what it is like to stand up for something that goes against the grain of the majority, maybe even when your own family believes it. It's not easy. It can isolate you and can be downright frightening. So let's acknowledge courage when we see it. I know I can't be alone in feeling this way. Last year, Republican Senator Mitt Romney was awarded the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum Profile and Courage Award. This award was named for JFK's 1957 book, Profiles and Courage, about eight senators in history up to that time who took politically difficult and unpopular positions in the interest of the public good. Romney received his Profile and Courage Award from none other than John F. Kennedy's daughter, Caroline Kennedy Schlossberg, an avowed Democrat like most of her prominent family, both past and present, including her uncle, Senator Ted Kennedy. When he was governor of Massachusetts, Mitt Romney and Massachusetts Senator Ted Kennedy had worked together to bring nearly universal health care to the citizens of Massachusetts. Many things in Obamacare were modeled after it, but that was in a much different time than the one we live in now. Now Romney, a former Republican presidential candidate and party leader, is mostly a pariah within his party too, because he took a stand for our Constitution, the rule of law, and democracy by voting to impeach Trump after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And he has continued to take a stand for democracy in our Constitution by being one of three Republican senators voting to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. Two Republican senators didn't even show up in person to the confirmation voting, Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul. How disrespectful to the constitutional process. After the Senate voting concluded and Judge Jackson was confirmed, and, by the way, she was confirmed on National Beer Day, April 7th, I'd say this is a karma bites kind of moment for one of her soon-to-be Supreme Court justice colleagues, who's a big fan of beer, as we learned at Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings. After Judge Jackson was confirmed, and as the Democrats were standing and loudly applauding this exceedingly historic moment, the GOP senators were seen hurriedly leaving the Senate chamber. Turtles all the way down, except they were not purposely slow like turtles tend to be when they quickly left the Senate chambers. The only Republican senator to stay and applaud, along with the Democrats, was Mitt Romney. He's still a profile in courage. Let me change the subject from politics and ask a question. On April 22nd, how will you celebrate Earth Day? I'll get back to talking about Earth Day in a moment. In last month's podcast, I talked about quilts. All kinds of quilts. Don't the contours of the Earth's landscape when looking down from an airplane look like a quilt? If you have ever flown and looked out the window, you know what I mean. It can be breathtaking. There are many historically significant quilts in last month's podcast that I didn't acknowledge and should have, but for the lack of time to go into the detail on them that I would like to be able to do. Right now, I will briefly mention two very important historical and artistic quilts, and I'll go into greater detail about them in other podcasts down the road. One quilt is the AIDS Memorial Quilt that celebrates the lives of people who have died of AIDS related causes. It is the largest piece of community folk art in the world. And the other quilt I want to mention is the Legacy Quilt currently being shown in New York City at the Museum of Food and Drink in their new exhibit, African American, Making the Nation's Table. It celebrates 400 years of African American culinary heroes, represented by 406 quilt squares sewn together to create a quilt recognizing individuals who have contributed to the culinary history and diversity of the United States. If you can't get to NYC before June 19th this year to see it in person, you can view the quilt online at Legacy Quilt Project. In getting back to Earth Day, I celebrated the first Earth Day on April 22, 1970 by cleaning up the garbage alongside the streets in my little neighborhood. Yes, I'm really that old to have celebrated the first Earth Day. I hate to say it, but garbage alongside roadways is still a horrible problem in this country, and even worse than ever, especially because of plastic garbage like bottles, bags, containers, cups, and straws. I'm also old enough to remember a scene from the 1967 movie, The Graduate, starring Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft. You can Google the conversation between Dustin Hoffman's character, Benjamin, and a party guest, Mr. Maguire. Essentially, the conversation goes like this. Benjamin is asked by a party guest, what are you going to do with your future? Mr. McGuire takes Benjamin aside and says, I just want to say one word to you. Just one word, Benjamin. Yes, sir, Benjamin says. Mr. McGuire then asks, are you listening? Yes, sir, I am, Benjamin replies. Plastics. There is a great future in plastics. Will you think about it? Benjamin says, yes, sir. Mr. McGuire responds by saying, enough said. If only the world in 1967 could see the world we live in now and how plastic is ruining our planet. There is not enough being said or done about plastic pollution, in my opinion. You can google earthday.org to learn just about everything you would want or need to know to give our planet some TLC this Earth Day. One of my contributions to celebrate Earth Day this year will be to do the same thing I did in 1970, clean up along the main road that brings me to the entrance of my subdivision. Unfortunately, people's piggish and selfish ways have not abated since 1970. Every time I pick up roadside trash, I wonder, what kind of people throw it out their car window? Who or what raised them? One year, I saw two bags of trash in the ditch alongside a very nice home sit there for three months. I kept waiting and waiting for them to go away because surely the bags would be thrown out into a garbage bin when they mowed the lawn. Nope, not a chance that ever happened. My husband, who also picks up trash alongside the road, and truth be told, more often than I do got sick of hearing me complain about those trash bags every time we drove past that house's ditch. One day while I was traveling, he stopped our truck alongside the homeowner's property and grabbed the bags and put them in the truck bed to haul to the dump. The homeowner came out and asked him what he was doing, and my husband told her, we've seen these bags sitting there for months and they need to be picked up. She told him those bags were not her problem because they're in the ditch, and that's the government's property. She didn't even thank my husband for hauling those bags of garbage away along with other accumulated trash in that ditch, mostly plastic bottles. Let me say this. There are no government programs to pick up trash from ditches that are part of someone's property. Stop being a lazy butt. So far in this podcast, I've mentioned girdles and turtles, and now I want to talk about nurdles. I didn't know what nurdles were until fairly recently. Nurdles are the small plastic pellets, one of five type of microplastics, and the raw materials that are the first step in producing anything plastic, from plastic bottles to auto parts. They are usually manufactured by large chemical companies from non-renewable, petroleum-based resources. Nurdles are often called mermaids' tears and are found in every body of water in this country and the whole world. They do not biodegrade in water and are commonly found on beaches, but you might not recognize them if you were on a beach because they resemble grains of sand. One of the main issues with nurdles is that aquatic life in birds often mistake them for food because they resemble large fish eggs. Just recently, I read an article in the Guardian newspaper that, quote, microplastic pollution has been detected in human blood for the first time, with scientists finding the tiny particles in almost 80% of people tested. The discovery shows the particles can travel around the body and may lodge in organs. The impact on health is yet unknown, end quote. Going on in the article, quote, Huge amounts of plastic waste are dumped into the environment and microplastics now contaminate the entire planet, from the summit of Mount Everest to the deepest oceans. People were already known to consume the tiny particles via food and water, as well as breathing them in, and they have been found in the feces of babies as well as adults. End quote. While the polymers in microplastics are not in themselves considered toxic, the plastic acts like a sponge for persistent bioaccumulating toxins called PBTs. These PBTs have been known to accumulate in human and animal tissue, causing long-term damage. These nurdles can also be colonized by microbes that are dangerous to humans. In the United Kingdom, workers who clean up beaches are told not to touch nurdles with their bare skin. Unfortunately, by 2040, plastic production is set to double. What can an average person do about this macro problem of microplastics? Now that we know better, let's all do better. The first thing is obvious. Cut down on buying or using anything made of plastic, though, frankly, that is much easier said than done. I suggest you go to earthday.org and scroll down to where you see the heading, Be a Part of the Change, and any number of other headings like Climate and Environmental Literacy, and then go to End Plastic Pollution. Again, I will ask, on April 22nd, how will you celebrate Earth Day? But more importantly, how will you help the planet heading into the future? As Hindus celebrate their new year this month, Let's consider two quotes from a very famous member of their faith and an inspiration to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his fight for civil rights, Mahatma Gandhi. He said, quote, Change yourself, you are in control. End quote. And he said, Be the change that you want to see in the world. There is another timeless universal principle acknowledged by every human being on this planet, no matter their faith or if they have no faith. Treat others as you would like to be treated, or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It is clear that this timeless universal principle is not always practiced by every person or every country towards other countries. Persevere, and work on practicing it, because this is what each and every one of us knows at some level of our very being. Treating other people like you would like to be treated is a tenet that works for the greater good of all. Exhibit good intent, be kind, show grace, because on any given day, you do not know what battles another person is fighting, and your good intent loving kindness and grace can make all the difference in a person's life as the good intent you put out there reverberates throughout the world.